0: This is Hal Hester, lead pastor of Vine Life, and this is our podcast, The Empowered Word. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective on what God is doing in your life. Please enjoy the message. All right, good morning. Everybody doing okay? Are we good? Are we good? All right. Everybody check pulse, good, everything? All right, cool, cool. All right. <laughs> Good morning, Vine Lifers. My name is Bobby. If you, if I have not met you, I'm the associate pastor here at Vine Life. Uh, if you haven't been here for a little bit of time or or you this is your first time, let me get you caught up a little bit. We are actually right in between uh, sermon series right now, and we're at the moment we're be, we're finishing up one sermon ser- series and and can, can get ready to start a new one uh, coming up next week. So, uh, Pastor Hal will be back uh, doing that. So, when we were putting everything together on the calendar earlier this year and just kind of checking out like what what sermons are going to be you know during the different sermon series and kind of placing everything there was just one extra Sunday and uh, I was like without thinking I just kind of blurted it out I'll take it right and and here's the thing I absolutely love speaking about worship so any opportunity that I get to talk to you guys about worship I will take it and uh, sometimes I do that I just kind of do that without thinking so I'm like oh man what did I just sign up for okay we're going to talk about worship today, and it's the coolest thing to talk about worship with disciples of Christ because, you know what, each and every one of us here was actually created to do this. Like, nobody's out of this loop, nobody's out of this conversation this morning. Each and every single person in this room was actually designed to worship God. Like, it's literally what we're created to do. Okay, and and the cool thing is it encapsulates each and every single one of our spiritual gifts, so we all come together and we worship together and it's all there, right? It's such an incredible thing. So today you get to hear me blab on and on about how awesome it is to worship our God. Is that okay? I'm glad you said yes because that would have been really awkward if you said no. All right, before we get started this morning, uh, I, if you might want to keep your Bibles with you and kind of handy because we're going to be in and out of Scripture. Uh, I'm not going through just one passage. We're going to go to several different passages and kind of look up uh, different things about worship. Um, if you don't have your Bibles and you have your phones and you want to follow along on your phone, that's totally fine. Just be really careful. Um, I was actually in my doctor's office the other day. And uh, it, while I was sitting there waiting for my appointment, I try not to get on my phone in the waiting time areas. Like, it's just something I'm trying not to do because I'm always on my phone. I'm always, like, you know, doom-scrolling on my phone. And so I'm sitting there, and everybody else is doom-scrolling on their phone, I'm just sitting there really awkwardly. And so I'm trying to figure out, okay, what, what do I do? I look around. There's a poster on the wall. It actually has this poster, and it actually starts talking about this, this new health concern with the introduction of the smartphone. There's lots of health concerns with the smartphone, but this one particularly was introduced into our culture, as people are staring down and at, at their phone, there's a problem that is starting to happen in their spines. And they have like what, what was on the poster was called phone neck. Be careful about phone neck, right? That, that this behavior of staring down at your phone for too, too long actually messes with your spine and it destroys your posture and gives you pain and and. Actually, there's possible injuries involved in that. And, and, and if it goes on for too long, you got to have therapy to correct it. you got to have a chiropractor to correct it, to correct your spine. So interestingly enough, the amount of time you spend with your head bowed over your phone affects the way that you carry yourself, your posture, right? And so this issue is so extremely uh, easy to recognize in people because most people have it today. Kind of crazy, Right? It really made me think, and all of a sudden, I didn't feel so awkward sitting there, not on my phone. I'm like, I did something right, you know? I'm kind of proud of myself. Thank you, you know? Like, that's a good thing. So, not that I'm really good at this. I still do scroll all the time. But before, I mentioned it's really easy for us to talk about worship together. It's not just because I'm a worship pastor, but because that's what we were created to do. It's super easy for us to have this discussion, just talk about it all the time. Because here's the thing. Every single person in this room is amazing at worshiping. Amazing at it. it. Every single person is fantastic at worshiping. And you might think to yourself, you know Bobby, I, I'm not really that good at anything. Let me tell you something. You are an amazing worshipper. Phenomenal. It's because that's what you were designed to do. That's your purpose. That's what you were created. That's you were designed to reflect Think about it as a mirror. We're going to kind of come back to this analogy, but think about it like you're a mirror. You were actually designed to reflect something. It's the way you were created. And and, and it's not just, And if you think about it, it's in everything in nature. Everything that was ever created, it was all designed to worship and become a reflection of something else. In fact, we are so good at this. We are so good at worshiping that you don't even know you're doing it half the time. You have no clue that you are worshiping pretty much your entire life. So we discuss this worship in a church setting. What does that look like? And some of us might say, you know, the worship part of the service, you know, like, you know, what we just kind of went through. Not my thing. Not my thing. I'm more into, like, you know, the, the preaching I'm more into the outreach part of things. I'm more into the serving things. I'm more into the studying of God's word. And we look at that, and you might even say that worship is not my thing. We come in on Sundays, We do a couple songs. Maybe we come a little bit late, kind of skip the songs, because I want to get into the meat, right? And in doing this, what we have done is we have actually segmented our relationship with God into a time frame or into a personality trait. And we'll say something like, I come to worship on Sundays. Or those are the worshipers, you know, the ones here up front, the ones that are like all crazy and raising their hands and singing loud, right? They're the crazy ones. They're the ones with all the feelings, right? Maybe it's the worship team. That's, they're the ones that are into the worship thing. They're the artists. And worship really isn't my thing. And yet, even if that's you, you are a phenomenal worshiper. But not all worship is to God. That's what we're going to talk about today. Can we look for a second in scripture? Romans 1, 18 through 25. If you want to open up your, your Bibles, um, at your own risk, look at your phones. Just saying. I'm, I'm not going to read all of it, but I encourage you to. Um, it'll be up on the screen here. We're kind of giving this glimpse of God's wrath over a sinful world. That's what we are. We're a sinful world. We're sinful people. We choose sin a lot of times over God, and that's just who we are. It's human nature, right? And so God says that he has consistently revealed himself um, in these first few verses, but no one is responding. No one is turning to him. And so he speaks about these people and says this in verse 21. He says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile And their foolish hearts were darkened, although they claimed to be wise. I mean, they knew things. They knew things about life. They knew things about God. But they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being. And birds and animals and reptiles, they put idols in place of God. And therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Can we just highlight this for a second? They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever to be praised. Amen? You were created to worship. You're going to get tired of me saying that today you were created to worship i was created to worship we were created to reflect the very nature of god back to him that's what we were designed to do but we have this thing called free will and so even though i was created to worship i get to choose what and who i worship we can't help ourselves but worship and so the question is what am i worshiping what am i worshiping because not all worship is to god You want to know how to figure out what you're currently worshiping right now? It's really simple. You follow the trail. Follow the trail of your money. Follow the trail of your thought life. Follow the trail of your priorities, your free time, your affections, your future plans. And if all of those things start pointing to something very specific, that's your answer. That's what you're worshiping. That's what you're focused on. It's that thing that you think about before you go to bed. It's that thing that you dream about when you wake up in the morning. That's the thing that you make all the plans for. It's all the investments into you. You Make all of the huge sacrifices because worship requires sacrifice. Worship requires sacrifice. It's that thing that we say, I'm all in. This is who I am. This is my life. And we sacrifice so much for it. Now, we were designed and we were created to worship God, to reflect back to God himself, all right? And so the creator revealed to and through his creation and reflected back to the creator. That's how this works, right? Okay, so his attributes, his character, his his qualities. As I worship God, God pours into me, I worship God, and that just kind of flows back and forth, right? And that's because when we, we actually become what we worship, we become what we worship. We become what we reflect. you got to think about it like this mirror, like we were mentioning earlier. When I look into a mirror, the mirror doesn't become me, but it, be, it becomes like me. It takes on the image of me. When I look at it, unless you're a vampire and there's no reflection, but when you, you think about this, there's, there's this reflection. The mirror takes on my image. We are supposed to take on the image of God but we take on the image of whatever we're worshiping. Whatever you choose to worship, whatever you choose to reflect. Think about it, we become the very thing we worship. For instance, if you worship money, money is your thing, you wake up in the morning, you're like, man, I can't wait to make more money, I gotta figure out more ways to make money, like I just wanna be rich, I just wanna like, I want wealth, I just, this is what I want, this is everything, this is my life. You eventually become treated like currency. If that's your focus, you, your value will be based on what you can provide, not who you are. You'll be traded. You'll become disposable. You become what you worship. It becomes your life. You become what you made all of those sacrifices for because worship requires sacrifice. Can we talk about sacrifice for a little while? What does it look like to sacrifice? What does it look like to make a sacrifice in your life? I want to quickly dig into a story of Jesus and, and how he had this interaction with this, this, uh, this man who was cursed with this terrible disease called leprosy. If you know anything about leprosy, you know, it's all through the scriptures. So if you've been reading the Bible for a while, you, you've heard of leprosy. It's just, you know, it's all over the place. But leprosy, it's kind of as bad as it gets when it came to incurable diseases. Essentially, your body begins to deteriorate. Your skin just begins to rot while you're still alive, you know. With this this disease, you lose sensation. You lose feeling in parts of your body. Um, So if you get an injury on that part of the body, you don't know. It just gets infected and eventually just falls off, okay, and kind of crazy. You wouldn't even know. Just be like, man, today I don't have a foot, you know. Um, Eventually, your parts just fall off. Your nose, your fingers, your feet, they just fall off. And it's basically this death sentence. Like there's, there's it, it, and it's super contagious. That's the thing. The, leprosy was super contagious. And, and so if somebody had leprosy, they would be removed from society. You could no longer participate in everyday life. I mean, your family gatherings, going to the market to buy food, worshiping at the temple or going to church, gone. Can't do that anymore. You were basically a walking dead person. Like, there's no hope. There's no hope for healing. There's no hope for a future. That's it. You're an outcast of society. That's it, right? The only thing that you have to look forward to is death. That's what leprosy did. I want to share with you this passage in Luke 17. If you want to turn your Bibles there, it'll be up on the screen as well. There's this interaction that Jesus had with several lepers, and this is actually found in Luke 17, 11 through 19. It says this, that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee and he was going into a village and 10 men who had leprosy met him and they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, asked, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. I wanted to look at this interaction today. And I want us to just kind of put ourselves in the shoes of this leper, this one leper that returns out of the ten. I wanted to kind of look at this, this, this guy and let's just kind of put him, ourselves in his situation. He was healed. But there's this, and there's this whole story about, you know, that lepers and, and people who were sick and had diseases had to go to the priest so that they could be declared healed. I don't want to focus on that today. What I want to focus on today is the healing and the response of this one leper. We call him the leper. The Bible calls him a leper. That was his identity. His disease was his identity. Isn't that crazy? I want you to put yourself in his shoes, maybe sandals, I don't. maybe he was barefoot, I don't know. I want you to put yourself in his situation. We just mentioned that leprosy was this death sentence. It became your identity. This horrible, horrible disease where your body just decays and rots until there's nothing left. You're isolated, you're lonely. You die with no hope of things ever getting better. Like that's it. Your only hope is that one day your body just stops, puts an end to all your suffering. Can you imagine the hopelessness? Can you imagine just being that hopeless that all you have to look forward to is death? Maybe that's not too far for us to imagine for some of us today. Maybe that's not too far out. For some of us, that state of hopelessness, that struggle to see the light at the end of the tunnel, maybe you're not physically hopeless, but maybe you're just dealing with a lot of things in your spirit and you're dealing with a lot of emotions. Maybe we're realizing that the things that we've invested into our entire lives left us empty. Maybe our worship has been misdirected and we start to realize that maybe we've made all of these sacrifices all of our lives and the payoff is short. And you struggle through life because there's not a whole lot to look forward to. Maybe we can relate to that. This morning, I wanted to talk about worship with you guys Because I believe that when our worship is directed to the one who created worship, the one who designed worship, I mean the architect, and the one that worship is all about, and the source of all worship, it shifts something in our lives when we direct it towards God. It corrects those things that have been broken, and it realigns those things that have been misaligned. When God becomes the focus of our adoration and our praise, Everything changes, church. Everything. And and, and we'll know that this shift has taken place in our church because our our gatherings on Sundays are going to look a little bit different. This morning, I want to draw your attention to how we begin to shift our focus, shift the focus of our worship. How do we do that? And to to get there, I just want to compare ourselves to this leper, this this man who is hopeless, who had his death sentence, like this was it. He had no hope because that's us. We're the leper in the story. That's who we are. As a human being, I, I hate to say this and I'm so sorry I have to say this, but your future is kind of hopeless. As a human being, you have this death sentence. There's nothing you can do about it, okay? Uh, We're just awaiting this death sentence. And we can try to focus on other things and distract ourselves and, and attempt to make ourselves a little bit more comfortable until the end. But that doesn't change the outcome that we are all on this trajectory to death. We have this creator who, whose in intention for us was to live life and live life abundantly, right? And, 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 but each and every one of us have chosen to step outside of that path, outside of that plan. The scriptures tell us in Romans that, that each and every single one of us has sinned. Each and every one of us has chosen sin over God at one point in our lives and therefore has separated us from the love of God of our Savior, our God. Each and every one of us have made choices that have separated us from God and that has eternal consequences. Yes, it does. And, 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 and unless there is some miracle, I am destined to spend eternity in eternal death without God, without love, without anything good. My choices to live my life my own way and feed my selfish desires has left me with a death sentence. I'm a dead man walking. My future, hopeless, I'm isolated from God. But then Jesus shows up. Right? Jesus shows up and says that that's not the way I intended for you to live. That's not the future I created for you. I love you and I don't want to spend eternity without you, my creation, my beloved, my child. And so God gives up that which is most important to him, most valuable to him, his only son, to take our place, to take on that debt. And so Christ takes on our punishment, our death, on the cross for our sins. And he gave his very life. This is the gospel message, isn't it? You've heard this over and over and over again. This is the gospel message. We've heard it a thousand times. He's the only one that could have done what he did because he is the only one without sin. And he chose to do it to make that sacrifice. When we say sacrifice, Jesus made a whole life sacrifice. There's nothing I could have done to save myself. Absolutely nothing. I am like this leper, I am hopeless and I am helpless. And, and until Christ comes and washes away my sins past, present and future, makes me clean clean and purifies me before the throne of God. I now have a hope, I now have a future, I now have a place to spend eternity in the presence of my God, my creator, my father. He gave me everything and he offered this to me for free. When we figure out that we could do absolutely nothing, nothing to absolve ourselves from our own sins, when we figure out that absolutely there's nothing we could do to save ourselves, but all we have to do is receive from Jesus, from God. There is nothing I could place on the counter. There is nothing I could trade. There is nothing I can barter with. There is nothing. It was just offered to me. Free mercy and grace poured over me. When we truly figure this part out, church, when you digest it, when it's in your soul, it's in your belly, like you know this without a shadow of a doubt, it changes how you worship. It changes how I give. It changes how I sacrifice. It changes how I invest my life and my time and my money. It changes how we gather here in this place. When you truly understand what Christ has done for you, it changes everything. Yeah. Amen. It changes why we worship. It changes the way we worship. When I figure out these words that were written in 1 Peter 2.9, it says this, I, I'm a chosen people, royal, royal priesthood. I, when I understand that I'm being made holy and that God calls me his special possession, that not because of anything that I've done, but simply because my creator, my father loves me, I can't help but declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness into marvelous light. Let's look at this leper and his response. He's no longer a leper. That's not his identity anymore. He's healed. Luke 17, uh, verse 15, 16. We read this before. Here it is again. When he, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God with a loud voice. I just want you guys to understand this, and I hope you picked up on it. That said a loud voice. Okay? When you figure out and you truly understand the depths and the mercy of God, you won't be able to be loud enough. Amen. Amen? You won't be able to contain it. Your worship will be loud. Your praise will be loud. How do I know that we've understood this, church? Our worship will be loud. Our praise becomes loud. Get ready, church. What does it say? He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. I was hopeless, I was helpless, I was dead, but now I'm alive. I, he bowed before Jesus in submission and in praise. Uh, we see this word used when we see the word worship. Uh, when we translate it correctly, the word worship actually has this uh, connotation of, of bowing down, face down, before God. It's this posture of submission meaning that it's more than just this thank you the leper could have come to Jesus and be like I see that you've healed me thank you very much but he doesn't he he he's praising God with a loud voice and he falls down like maybe he's being too dramatic I don't know but it's amazing if I was dead and now I'm alive like I had this death sentence man I would be the same way like oh my gosh this is amazing right we, when we bow down, we expose the back of our neck and it's this high idea that we're, we're placing our life in that person's hands because at any moment they could destroy us, right? With a sword, that's kind of the idea. We bow down, I'm placing my trust, I'm placing my life in your hands. That is the posture of worship. And Christ gave a whole life sacrifice for us and our response should be a whole life response. I'm not just going to give God a couple songs on Sunday. I'm not going to just give him an hour and a half of my life on the weekend. I'm giving him my whole life. All of it. I'm not coming to church to worship. I'm coming to church already worshiping. I'm already there. This is my life. I'm all in. Like, I'm ruined for anything less. Second Corinthians tells us this, that Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. My life is not my own. It is Christ who lives in me. Yes. Hebrews 13 reminds us to continually <laughs> offer our, our, to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. God, you are good. God, you are awesome. You are mighty. You are faithful. We sing those songs. Like, that's continual. We're supposed to do that. That is our sacrifice of praise, to continually offer those things, openly profess his name and his goodness, and do not forget to do good and share with others for the such sacrifices as God is pleased. What do I give God in response for all that he has done? I give him myself. Everything. All of it every single part of me, every thought, every dream, every word, every affection. What does that look like? Psalm 51 says this. It says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. A life that is bowed in submission to who you are And what you have done for me, that is my sacrifice. Can I tell you something, though? A sacrifice for someone that you love? Not really that hard of a sacrifice. When I make sacrifices, I see this with my kids, you know, I, I, as a dad, I make sacrifices for my kids all day long, man. It, it's constant, right? My time, my finances, my, my mornings to sleep in, my, my dreams, my hopes of a selfish life, you know, I, I gladly give those things up. And, and most of the time, without even a thought, I'm just like, I want to see my kids happy and I want to see them successful in life. And so when I make a sacrifice, sometimes it's not really that big of a deal, even though it is, because I love them. But a sacrifice for somebody that I'm indifferent to, different story. That sacrifice hurts a little bit. And I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be real with you guys. I, can't, I sometimes count that cost against that person. Remember when I did that for you? Rem- remember when I made that sacrifice for you? I point to this because we can't respond in true submission and true adoration to who God is if I don't know God, if I don't love God. You can't respond to what you don't see, to what you don't know. How can you respond in in adoration and worship to who God is and his character and his traits and his mercy and his love if you don't see it? if you don't experience it on a regular basis, if you haven't truly understood the depths and the grace and mercy that that God extravagantly pours over us every single day of our lives, how can you respond with anything but indifference? When we're in this place together, when we're worshiping together, when we're offering up this sacrifice of praise, this this fruit of our lips, professing his name, and we're compelled by the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he has made, and we choose to not participate, to stand there indifferent towards the holy moment of worshiping God. I question, I question, I question if we've truly seen God work in our lives. I'm going to ruffle some feathers, and that's a really good thing today. Because we worship an extravagant God, and he deserves to be worshipped extravagantly with everything that we have. And when we have seen him, when we know his nature, when we experience his presence and his healing in our lives, when we truly understand the value of the debt that he paid for us on our behalf, something should be different about the way we proclaim his name and his goodness. Our lives should be different because of what we have seen God doing in our lives and the lives around us. Our worship isn't confined to a segment of time on the weekend to one or two songs Uh, our worship isn't confined to whether i feel like it or not or it's not confined to my emotions or my feelings or my circumstances god is was and always will be the same his love never changes his character never changes and in turn our worship should never cease constant we worship god we worship god we worship god because we're created to do and everything that we do we worship god his character never changes our his love never changes so our worship should never cease i don't go to church to worship i go to church already worshiping because I, I'm, not, I'm not waiting for a worship leader to cue me to begin worship. I've been worshiping all week, and our time together is just an overflow of the expression of what God has been doing in my life all week, all month, all year, my whole life. And I can't wait to be in the presence of God with everyone and shout his praises. Right? And so this morning is about an invitation. It's an invitation, church. It's an invitation to see God Psalm 34 verse 8 tells us these very simple words taste and see that God is good there's this invitation to taste when you taste you you digest you put it in your system it becomes a part of your being taste let God be a part of who you are invite him into your life into your soul every part of your life don't let anything out don't leave anything out Become a part of your being. Taste the presence of the Lord and see that he is good because I believe that when we do that, when we truly understand and begin to know God for who he is and what he has done, it's going to get loud. It's going to be loud when we respond like the leper who, who falls on his face shouting praises to Christ, falling on his face before him, thanking him in this response of absolute submission It's going to get loud, church. King David of Israel says this in his response to worship, worshiping the Lord in Psalm 27. He says this, One thing, One thing I ask of the Lord, the only thing I seek, it's always only been one thing, one thing I seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. We get this picture of someone who is so deeply in love with the presence of God, they wish nothing more than to gaze on his beauty. There's this difference, church, uh, between like glancing, like you glance at somebody and gazing at somebody. You know, we glance at people all of the time. You, you notice people. You know, you go to the store and you just kind of glance around. You kind of look at people. Don't stare too long, you know, because it's kind of weird. You know, and you kind of glance at them and you're like, oh, I noticed you. I noticed you. I noticed you. You might say, no, no, you're not saying that. But, you know, that's kind of what we're doing. We just notice people. But there's a difference between that and gazing. I don't know if you've been to the store and somebody was gazing at you. If you have, I'm sorry, because that's really awkward. Not glaring, not glaring, you know, not that they're angry and glaring at you, but they're gazing in your direction. They're gazing at you. It's awkward because gazing is reserved for intimacy. I gaze on the things that I love. David says this. He says, I want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him. There's this deep affection towards him. There's this deep affection towards what we love. I long to gaze on the presence of God. That's how I know we've seen God moving in our midst. We long to be in his presence and just gaze on him and just rest. It changes how we worship. Those of you guys who know me might know that I have a slight chocolate craving. I'm addicted. I'm sorry. I love chocolate absolutely love chocolate, all right? And so if chocolate is offered to me, doesn't matter what I ate before, doesn't matter if I'm stuffed, doesn't matter if I'm like, I, you know, like I just ate tons of stuff, I'm, I'm still going to have me some chocolate. Doesn't matter. I'll make myself sick with that chocolate, but I'll have that piece of chocolate. Here's the thing. Now, now I, I, if you ever catch me gazing at chocolate, you'll know why. The more chocolate I'd eat, the more I want, The more I eat, the more I want different types of chocolate and taste different types of chocolate. I want to know more about chocolate. What's the best chocolate out there? I don't gaze at chocolate very much because chocolate has never been good to me. Um, It's kind of left me for the very reason that I have to go and work out all the time. But God has been good to me. And he has been good to you and that's the invitation. God is inviting us to see him, to experience him. To, he's constantly revealing himself to us. Especially when we seek him in worship. And the longer I gaze on the beauty of the Lord, the the more I see, the more I learn about his character, the more I fall in love with him, the more I reflect his love to those around me, the more I understand about his nature, and the more that I want to worship and, and bow down before him and lay my life before him, submitting everything to him because that's the invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. This morning, there is an invitation, but there's also this challenge. It has to do with the posture of worship. We've talked about this, right? Just like your your neck, when you're staring at your phone too long, there is an actual posture uh, uh, that we have when we gaze upon the presence of the Lord. Just like gazing at your phone can affect your physical appearance and your ability to stand up without pain, What we choose to gaze upon in our life has the ability to affect our spirits, keeping us from being able to see God moving and working in our lives. And maybe we need some sort of intervention to show us where we might need that correction in our spiritual posture. Maybe we need that spiritual chiropractor or that spiritual therapist to help us. There's no greater physician than the Holy Spirit. And so the challenge then is to examine our lives this morning and ask, what is it that I have allowed to to contain my gaze for too long? What is it that I have allowed to keep me from seeing God, from knowing him and understanding what he has truly done for me? What has kept me from falling on my face and shouting praises out of this insane gratitude and this complete surrender to our God? What is holding me back from absolute and utter, unabandoned, unfiltered, unrelentless praise to the God of the universe? Church, the challenge this morning is to take on a posture of worship, the way that we are created to worship, for who we were created to worship. And this morning, I want to give you the chance to respond to do that. This morning, this is, this, is the, this is the invitation to see God in his presence, to see him, to experience him. There is no better way to do that than to worship. Can we do that this morning? I'm going to invite you guys. We're going to be singing together. We're going to sing a song. I've asked Jen to come up and lead us one more song. in it, And I want to invite you before the Lord to just gaze on his beauty. This is our time. This is our time. If, if you're just needing a touch from the Lord, this is our, our ministry time this morning is just to be ministered to. Let the Lord come and just be with you. Let him reveal himself to you. He's always revealing himself. Come taste and see that he is good. Come be in his presence. If you need to respond in a physical way this morning, and we talked about this bowing down, you know, and that's our spirits. That's our posture of our spirits when we come before the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're always bowing down and it, when we sing praises. And you know, a lot of times we're jumping and shouting and things like that, but if you need that physical response this morning to say, I am bowing my life before the Lord, by all means, get on your face before the Lord. Get on your knees and your face. That is a spiritual reflection of what you are the posture that we are supposed to have when we worship this is the invitation not just for this morning but for the rest of your life this is the posture of worship let's humble ourselves before the lord and just invite him to reveal himself in everything that we do because he's always moving he's always doing something we just sang that song right even when i can't see it i know that you're moving i know that you're working God's kingdom isn't dependent on whether I can see it or not. God is always moving; He's always working in our lives and people's other, in other people's lives. So the prayer is this: God, show us Your glory. Show us the things that that we have placed before You the things that that we've allowed to capture our gaze instead of you. Show us where we have misplaced our sacrifices and our priorities. Draw us as a church and let us be a church who's known that we have a posture of worshiping our king church. Let it get loud. Let it get messy. Let it get undignified. But let it be about our God. Let's all stand this morning and can we just worship the lord let's have the lights down and let's just worship the lord and just sing praises to his name we glorify you god we invite your presence in this place god we worship you let this be our this let this be a time where we uh, let everything else just go everything that, that that we have placed in our lives and placed in our vision and placed above you god on the throne of our lives god we let those things go and right now jesus god king creator father we place you On the throne of our lives, we worship you and you alone. We praise you, we bow down to you, we worship you, and we give you honor. In Jesus' name.
1: You search much deeper within, through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. Oh, it's up.
0: everything changes when we humble ourselves before the Lord when we glorify him when we put him as everything when we put our focus on him when we put our worship on him when we invest our time into what he's doing God we choose to be a church we choose to be known as a people who are worshipers of the king of kings and the lord of lords We thank you for your presence here this morning. I thank you for everything that you have been doing. We thank you for Addy making that decision, Father, to follow you, God. We thank you for just ministering to our hearts and and speaking your truth into our lives, Father God. We thank you for this time just be able to spend in your presence, glorifying you. We worship you. We glorify you. We praise your name because you are worthy in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you guys. This has been just an amazing time where we get to worship the Lord and just want to encourage you guys to continue just throughout your week, throughout your life, just continue just to, just, man, worship God. Put him first. We're going to have our prayer teams up here this morning. If you need prayer, please feel free to come on up. Uh, uh, But other than that, we're going to leave this time as a place of just reflecting on God, reflecting on his mercy, reflecting on his grace, and reflecting on who he is, just worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And if you need to go, you can leave. That's okay. Uh, Let's leave all our uh, talking and conversations out in the hallway so we can spend this time. This is a holy moment here. God, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you did, there's two things you could do for me. First, subscribe to our channel. That way, the most recent podcast will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted you, would you help us to continue to reach others by clicking on the link in the description to give now. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to The Empowered Word.